bits and pretzels inspire you. You will figure it out. This is clearly the place to be. Servus to you all and welcome to the Bits and Pretzels podcast. For many entrepreneurs, this really is the single most important moment in their career. The moment when investors finally open their pockets and write big checks. And since more money is rolling into the European ecosystem than ever before these days, for example, from big funds such as Atomico, Target Global and others, this is really a great perspective for them. Others... Think quite the opposite. Building a company is actually not about the funding round at all. Like I would say the biggest successes that we've had uh, at Get Your Guide have all been uh, with regards to the product and to how we've changed the market and how we've had an impact on consumers. Like Johannes Reck, the founder of Get Your Guide and the guest in our show today. Get Your Guide is one of the first and globally successful online platforms that helps travelers find and book unique travel experiences. Johannes even believes they would never have made it this far if they would have received the massive kind of funding right at the start that they have managed to collect later. Just last year, they racked in almost half a billion dollars. Johannes and his fellow founders started the company over a decade ago while still studying in Switzerland. They now run their global operations with some 450 employees from Berlin. Many of them came from outside Germany. We are capable of recruiting top players from the you know, best American companies like Facebook, Google, Airbnb, etc. to Berlin because they want to live here, right? And, you know, and forgive me saying so, every tweet of Donald Trump supports that. We also talked about Get Your Guide's secrets of success, the customer centricity, and what else Johan is looking for when he's looking for new talent. You know, what I'm looking for is like people who really thrive in an environment of a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom and who are intrinsically motivated by serving our customers and who are intrinsically motivated by learning, uh, you know, how to improve the customer experience and how to grow themselves along with it. I met Johannes on one of those rainy, cloudy days in Berlin, in the Get Your Guide headquarter, an historic former electrical substation in the Prenzlauer Berg neighborhood. I was stunned when I was guided to a place full of climbing plants and there was even a tippy. Turns out at Get Your Guide, they call this the Amazon Jungle Room and it's all tailored to one experience in Brazil. People can book on the platform. Hi, Johannes. Thanks for coming on the Bits and Presses podcast. Hi, it's a pleasure to be on the Bits and Presses podcast. Why did you start an online travel platform that promises customers it will help the most exciting and special trips ever? Were you bored with the all-inclusive trips? Or what was like the moment of epiphany for you to start your company with your co-founders, obviously? So um, I was actually not a born tourist expert or uh, you know I wasn't uh, even in tech to be honest I was just a student um, at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich so at ETH and uh, our core idea back then was actually to create a platform where local tour guides could register similar like you know couch surfing or so where you can register and you know offer your couch and we thought hey you can register and become a local tour guide And we launched that back in 2009 and, you know, for an entire full year, we had the platform live and we had, I think, 100 or 200 registered tour guides and five bookings, uh, three of which was my mother because she uh, had so much pity with us students on this project. Exactly. 
And after that didn't work out, we were like almost, you know, abandoning the project. But we realized that there was a huge demand from suppliers of professional tours and experiences. So any, you know, anything from the local museum to the local sightseeing tour, you know, the day excursion or even the mountain ski lift who desperately wanted to register on the platform and be listed and receive bookings. And that's when the light bulb went on and we said, hey, isn't this, you know, a massive opportunity uh, you know, we have, you know, probably a market that's at least 30, 50, 100 billion dollars big if we just count, you know, what tourists spend in the key cities around the world. And there's just no online platform there, you know, for customers to to go to and just to easily book all of these experiences. And we realized the time is now because mobile is just, you know, around the corner. You know, Steve Jobs' iPhone presentation was just two years before we launched the website. And um, you know, we felt the future of travel is clearly going to be in destination and is going to be experience driven. And that's when we set out to launch the next version of Get Your Guide, which is what you see today, the, the leading experience platform. So we we pivoted very early on, and since then, it's been one success story. How, how would you describe the USP of your platform in comparison to other platforms? For example, I don't know what Airbnb is offering or other uh, stakeholders in the travel and tourist industry offer on that platform? So what I think what we're really strong at um, and we've been since the very beginning is to have a pure focus on the experience itself. So, you know, while other competitors might focus on accommodation or how people get there, we don't really care so much about that. If you, you know, if you want to book a good hotel room, I think there are plenty of great opportunities. That's not on Get Your Guide. But if you you really want to have the best experience when you go somewhere, you know, let's say you go to Berlin, Rome, Paris, or you know, the Amalfi Coast, then Get Your Guide is just the best place for that. And that is because we have the best selection. Like for example, the special pizza place in Rome, or. The special bar, gin bar in Helsinki, or like talk, like talk about that. What like specific, what specifically interesting about the offerings that you have on the platform? Correct. So um, I give you a specific example. Um, if you look at London, for instance, uh, we've recently created um, you know something that's called Get Your Guide Originals, and those are exclusive experiences that you can only find on Get Your Guide. And in London, we figured out that uh, a lot of customers have a very keen intent to uh, do something that is related to Harry Potter. We saw a lot of people actually going to the Harry Potter movie studios, for instance. And we then created uh, a tour that was exclusively focused on you know the you know the Harry Potter experience in London, so different parts of where the movie was set, you know where Harry you know was doing things in in, in London, so to speak, and um, and. And we have uh, recruited expert guides there with the help of local partners that uh, actually are experts at Harry Potter and that have created a very immersive experience. And this was run you know, in conjunction with our local partners, Frankie and Ferry, who actually started to do this, you know, local Harry Potter thing that that we saw was actually working really well on Get Your Guide. And we amplified their, you know, what they were doing and, you know, created, you know, with the help of the Get Your Guide data and the help of the Get Your Guide playbook, a, an experience that is now the best-selling experience in all of London, uh, not only on Get Your Guide, 
but but worldwide. So basically, Get Your Guide is more and more like you know Netflix for travel, where you know we know what customers want, and based on those unique customer insights, we are capable of creating experiences that no one else has. Right, and we are sitting here in a special scenery today as well, which is which reminds me a little bit of. Bali. Is this like something that's on that I can find on your platform as well? So this is the Amazon jungle room. So I suppose that is rather in Brazil than in oh, Bali. Okay. But <laughs> we do have, um, we, we, we certainly do have, uh, you know, a lot of very interesting experiences also in very remote places. Um, you know, to, to just give you an example of, you know, what we've uh, recently been launching, uh, you know, that, that is maybe a, a bit more, out of the ordinary, um, you know that that you might not really find uh, find somewhere else is, uh, you know, we've really grown our inventory in South America. So if you want to have a very kind of like unique, tailored, you know, multi-day trip to Machu Picchu, right? You know, we'd be able to do that. You know, we have very immersive food experiences in Morocco. So if you want to go and actually learn how to do tahine, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you know, with a with a local that you know guides you to their house, right? We would also have that. So, you know, while we're creating these mainstream blockbusters like Harry Potter or, you know, the Vatican Museums, or, you know, and Michelangelo, you know, we also have very immersive local experiences. So, again, I would very much relate to the movie industry. You have blockbusters and those are the things everyone wants to see. And, you know, you know, probably get a lot of audience through that. But then you really you're an interesting marketplace, you're an interesting destination for customers if they really also find something that's out of the ordinary. Right. So you think a lot about how you can actually push the German ecosystems to enable more entrepreneurship. How do you look at this discussion specifically uh, due to your history that you first started your company without much venture money, uh, that most of your early investors came from outside Germany? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people today actually go to me and you know, ask me whether I have ambitions to become a politician. I can reassure you I am very happy with my, with my job uh, at Get Your Guide. I think I consider myself uh, to be very lucky and that, um, you know, we found this massive market opportunity, you know, by luck, to be honest, relatively early on uh, in, in, in the history of the German tech ecosystem. And we've been able to build a global champion in this in this segment. And a lot of people, you know, and a lot of people, frankly, outside of Germany and outside of Europe have helped me come to where we are today. And I just want to, you know, use that knowledge that I have accumulated over the last couple of years, and you know, put that back to the ecosystem. And, and, and you know, the you know the government is one stakeholder of that. Uh, you know, the entrepreneurs, you know, which I support quite a bit. You know, also one of that. I'm also really relatively active angel investor myself. So I'm I'm active across the board, and I strongly believe in the future of European tech. Uh, yet, uh, I think one huge topic that we have is that we don't have the same frameworks from a legal perspective that have uh, Silicon Valley, Israel, or other hubs, uh, you know, that, that help them uh, succeed. We don't have those same uh, frameworks and we don't have a level playing field today. And that's why I'm very vocal about it. Right. I mean, I remember before I moved to California five years ago, there was this discussion what was going on already and everybody was asking why nobody's like no politician is pushing more for helping entrepreneurs in Germany. And I feel that nothing really has changed over the last couple of years. Why do you think that is and what do you think has to be done to enable more entrepreneurship 
in Germany? So I think you're right in the assessment that very few things have happened. Um, I think the the reason for that is that we've had uh, very prosperous times uh, and there was not much need for a change. Uh, I think we we understand now that those times are slowly coming to an end. Our economic growth has come down. We also know that probably the combustion engine and the car is not going to be the future of the economy in 20 to 30 years. So there is now a window of transformation uh, that is about to happen. And I think that uh, transformation and that uh, you know sense of urgency for change is a pre-requirement for changing regulation in the way that we need it in the startup ecosystem. I think if you look at, at a very high level in terms of what's needed, more funding for the ecosystem, participation of employees, you know, stock options, the things that are you know, the bread and butter of Silicon Valley are relatively hard to implement from a regulatory standpoint, but it's doable as long as there's a strong political will. I think so far what we've seen is that there hasn't been a strong political will because there wasn't a necessity, but now the necessity is becoming more and more clear. What, what I think is interesting because before there was this complaining about there's not enough venture um, venture money for startups. And right now we see more and more outside Germany uh, investors coming and looking into what German startups are doing. And I think you are a perfect example with having American investors and also SoftBank for you know your last big funding round. And now we have people complaining again because they fear that kind of the IP of German startups are going outside um, outside Germany. So do you feel there's a Stick to it. No, I'm I'm a huge believer in in the potency of the German ecosystem, and uh, I think we have fantastic people here. We are a very liberal country. We're hugely attractive for people to, to uh, immigrate into. And one of the positive things, by the way, to give some credit to, to the government that we've done recently is that we have had some positive reform to even accelerate people moving here that are highly skilled, like computer scientists, etc. That law will come uh, into effect at the end of March. So I think overall the setup is pretty good. Um, I think the key parts of funding and 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 uh, employee participation are still not solved right so if you look at funding you know we have you know 20 25 billion uh, euros of funding in the eurozone uh, every year that's still you know roughly a sixth of what the US gets right, right. So like, but, but do you think there is like a danger that German IP from like like IP intellectual property from the German startup ecosystem is going to, I don't know, American investors or like other investors from other countries that there's like kind of an, like a buyout for German IP that many Well, that's already fear. happened, right? That's where we are today, right? So today the tech ecosystem is heavily dominated by China and the US. Like, you know, Europe plays a very minor role. And I think from a US and, and, and Chinese point of view, Uh, you know, we don't have a very great future because, you know, we, we don't have a big base to build on. I would hold against that, that I think we have a fantastic society. We have a great uh, pool of talent here. We have a lot of innovative ideas. And I strongly believe that the model of our society 
will be the winning model in the future. But what we need is basically is to fuel those ideas with capital and to allow people to pay competitively and you know give people participation in the success of these ideas and of these enterprises. And then I think we will see massive uh, success from an entrepreneurial point of view, wealth creation for our society and jobs being created uh, because of the companies that, 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 that are being launched. So I think we're already, you know, at the beginning of this virtuous cycle, a lot of, you know, great, uh, great technology is being created here, right? If you look at the major travel companies, you know, Booking.com is a European company was bought out early from America. You know, this was, you know, 2002, 2003. Uh, but get your guide already is here and has stayed here and hasn't sold out, right? And uh, you know, then you have you know banking champions like Revolut, a London-based company, or N26, you know, Berlin-based company. Those were not Silicon Valley-based companies. So I think we are on the right track to redefine major industries and to have local champions. But we need a lot more of that. While I was living in in California, I met many German entrepreneurs who said, "Well, I just needed to move here because I have like much more opportunity here." Do you think that's kind of changing? And is this why you decided to, like, I think you started your company in Zurich, then moved to, to Berlin instead of, let's say, Silicon Valley or New York? Yeah, so for us, like, you know, we've always viewed ourselves as, as European. And, like, I, I personally have lived in the United States. I love the United States. You know, there are lots of great things about it. But I personally wouldn't choose to build my company there. And that's also, you know, very personal for me. Uh, I, I don't see that uh, launching in Silicon Valley today has a tremendous advantage over launching in Berlin. Um, I think you pay much higher wages. The war for talent there is raging. It's very dominated by very few players. And I think there's a very vibrant and good ecosystem here. And a lot of the knowledge transfer has already happened. And what we see at Get Your Guide is that on a daily basis, we are capable of recruiting top players from the you know, best American companies like Facebook, Google, Airbnb, et cetera, to Berlin because they want to live here, right? And, you know, and forgive me saying so, every tweet of Donald Trump supports that, you know, right. and <laughs> so we'll get more applicants. So, uh, you know, without, you know, being political, I, I do believe that uh, that Europe as an ecosystem definitely has a very bright future. Uh, we just need to invest in it and we need to make it a priority. That's really what I'm what I'm advocating for. Let's talk about how you look at the ideas of growth and scaling in your own company, because I think you have like a very interesting and specific approach. Um, in his latest book, Blitzscaling, which is kind of the Bible for many entrepreneurs, the investor and LinkedIn co-founder Reed Hoffman explains how to grow and scale your company uh, fast. What I find interesting when I <clears throat> read this book was how Reed Hoffman talked about the early days of PayPal, where the team ignored customers on the phone because they wanted to scale. Uh, and I, I think that one of the um, one of the things that you care a lot about is customer satisfaction. So talk about like the different uh, KPIs, such to say, or like goals you want to achieve in terms of and how you how you just describe growth and scale for, for yourself and your team here. Sure. The the first core value that we have at Get Your Guide is passion. And uh, that passion is really the passion for the customer. And uh, this was actually originally, you know, born very naturally out of necessity because um, when we started, we didn't have a lot of venture capital, as you said, for the first right. three years, we were, you know, bootstrapping. And 
because we didn't have a lot of cash, we actually needed to do customer service ourselves. So we would be on the phone day and night talking to customers. It was rerouted to Skype during the day and then to my smart, like to my smartphone, my mobile phone uh, overnight. And you know, I would have you know tons and tons of customer service calls throughout the day while I was like you know doing a product development and while I was doing sales acquisition, etc. So this is the foundation of where the customer centricity in the company comes from. And then later on, we tried to scale that through processes in the company. So even to the present day, all of the execs and directors actually need to go onto a quarterly customer service uh, rotation where they need to be agents sitting in a seat and answering calls, or, you, know, you know, these days being on WhatsApp with customers right. or answering emails. This is customer centricity that makes many other companies successful as well, right? I think most companies, particularly if you look at the more old school kind of uh, German companies, you know, they are only focused on technology excellence. You know, how can we get, you know, the better combustion engine, right? But, you know, that kind of like is a is a is a vicious cycle where you just optimize for one thing and you don't understand uh, how dynamic the market is and the consumer market on on the internet is incredibly dynamic you know what people wanted to do 10 years ago and what their pain points were compared to today are completely different right you know, 10 years ago, people would mostly book on desktop, you know, two weeks in advance. It was really about how can I find a product that I want to book and how can I select the payment uh, method today? It's mostly I'm actually, you know, on like this is my location on WhatsApp and I don't see the tour guide. Can you send me the tour guide's WhatsApp? Okay, right. Completely different dynamics. And you do need to cater for that in your product. And and hence, I believe the customer feedback loop is just so important. You mentioned that you got your first round of seat funding, uh, three years after you started the company. How did you keep the company alive without venture money? So we had some seed funding before the Series A uh, happened three years afterwards. We had a $14 million Series A, which was massive in Europe at the time. It was probably one of the largest Series A's that was ever raised, but we were already doing millions in revenue uh, when we raised the A round. Before that, it was really customers. So the customers footed our bills, so we had cash flows uh, relatively early on. The business model is clear. Someone books on Get Your Guide, you know, uh, you know, we get the money, uh, take off a commission, and then send it on to the local attraction or uh, or a sightseeing provider, and uh, and hence uh, you know we could actually scale through cash flows. Where do you see the company in the next, let's say, five to ten years? <laughs> that's a that's a bold question into the future. Uh, so I would say five to ten years uh, is a very long time frame, right? So I always say like people overestimate what you can do in five years; they underestimate what you can do in ten years. Uh, so I'll start with the ten years because this is uh, really where where it gets fun. Uh, I think in ten years. Uh, what you will see is a completely transformed travel landscape. Uh, search in the way how you know it today of searching for a flight or searching for a hotel will be mostly gone. Um, what you'll be looking for is actually just uh, you know time frame when you travel. So you'll know I'm going for like 10 days or four days because that's really the limiting factor. How 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 much time do you really get off? How much time do you are you free? Or is it actually just three or four hours throughout the day, right? Because I have a gap somewhere and I you know travel and I work remotely. So basically adjusting the time quantity and then getting instantaneous recommendations based on your profile and your interests of what you could be doing. And that can be traveling at home or traveling you know, you know, very, you know, close to where you live because we want to be 
more uh, fuel efficient and you know we we might not want to ra- waste as much energy resources by traveling to Brazil etc so travel will become a lot more personalized a lot more local a lot more dynamic and it will be much more focused on the quantity of time uh, that you have in the next five years it's really about how can we get to that bigger picture and the next five years I think it will be a lot about digitization of all of the services that you can get uh, you know from the Mini bar all the way to to the uh, to the tour guide itself, or you know the kayak that you rent. Uh, you know whether that's you know something you know very niche in Berlin, or you know the uh, you know Alcazar and Seville, right? All of these attractions and providers, and you know all of the different components of the travel value chain still need to be digitized, and we're still you know frankly even at Get Your Guide at the very beginning of that curve. So now we are moving over to our Bavarian beer bench. And this is the part where we get the beer. So I would like to invite you to take this beer steen, the one that's there. Okay. Um, and I also have a little beer here. When it- Am I also allowed to drink? No, I <laughs> oh, you can, you can actually. Um, and now we have to say cheers. 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 Have a zip. Ah, very good. Much better okay. than the water. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what's your personal most favorite trip that you ever booked on Get Your Guide? And whom did you take it with? Um, my favorite trip I, that I ever took actually was with my co-founder, Tao Tao. And it was the trip that Get Your Guide was created on. So um, we were actually forming... Uh, a group of students to do something called Model United Nations uh, back in 2007, and what we wanted to do is uh, is basically to you know act as diplomats uh, in you know a a United Nations setting, and uh, that setting was hosted by Beijing University at the time. And I organized the entire trip. I got sponsorship from the university and an outside consulting firm that sponsored us as students and potential applicants. And um, I made one big mistake, and that was I booked my flights a day early. And then I arrived in Beijing in 2007 and figured out I have no idea how to communicate to all of these people. My co-founder Tao being bilingual would have been the ideal tour guide, but he wasn't there. So I ended up in my hotel room doing nothing for the entire day. And when he then came a day later, he was the perfect tour guide. We had Beijing Dock at night and you know it was just fantastic. And that's how we spun up the original idea that it would be fantastic to create a platform where students could become tour guides, right? Right. What's the best get your guide trip for Oktoberfest? Uh, for Oktoberfest, uh, I think we have a number of different uh, trips. So we definitely have like all of like the breweries in Munich. Uh, I personally uh, am a big fan of uh, Chiemsee and uh, Date because I just think it's the most beautiful area of, of, of Germany. I'm also, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of like the uh, romantic castles of, of Ludwig, but we do have a lot of uh, trips like there. Um, I have to say, though, that the landscape around these castles is absolutely marvelous. So I would recommend them for the landscape, not necessarily for you know, the uh, neo-romantic <laughs> uh, castles that he's built. Um, but um, I think in Munich, another one that's really nice is that uh, we have a very uh, popular uh, bike tour actually through um, you know, Englischer Garten and like the uh, inner city of Munich, and I very much recommend that. 
number of Bavarian beer you can drink and still make good business decision for Get Your Guide? A lot. I actually uh, celebrated the uh, closing of our Series D on Oktoberfest. Which was with, the SoftBank one? No, this is the one before SoftBank with Battery Ventures. And I have to admit that... Um, How much the, did you raise there? It was uh, 70 million. And um, so it was very major round. And the business performance at the time was relatively shaky and we were going towards the end of the diligence process and it was literally about to close the deal and I was like, you know, they will pull back the term sheet, they will decrease the valuation. And then we just came up with this idea to invite them to our board meeting and to relocate the board meeting onto Oktoberfest. So we had like four masks and then afterwards, you know, the deal was done. So what, I would say I can drink quite a few if, what, if it needs to be. What, what tent were you guys in? Schützenzeit. Uh, and how, how long did he stay there? Like four months, I guess. It's like we're talking about a couple of hours there. Oh, no. So like it was six, seven hours or so. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever climbed to the top of a summit? Like when you were studying in Switzerland, for example? Uh, yes. Uh, multiple, actually. Um, I, the, the one that I, I've enjoyed the most is Pitzbernina. Uh, how far, like how high 4, up? 4,000 meters. What was the feeling like to, to stand there at, Exhausting. at the top? <laughs> Is it like a similar feeling than, I don't know, closing a funding round? Or can 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 you compare that to, to this? Yeah, so to me, like, um, actually, and this is, I think, where the comparison really holds true is uh, building a company is actually not about the funding round at all. Like, I would say the biggest successes that we've had uh, at Get Your Guide have all been uh, with regards to the product and to how we've changed the market and how we've had an impact on consumers. So, for example, I still very vividly remember the first time, um, you know, this was in San Francisco, was with my back then uh, girlfriend today, wife, and, you know, we were standing on this catamaran and the catamaran was, uh, you know, going to the Golden Gate Bridge and was filled with Get Your Guide customers, right? And I was so proud. And then I was, you know, standing, you know, you know, so like, you know, at the edge of the catamaran right next to us was just this one other couple to get your guard customers. You know, I've seen their, 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 their vouchers, you know, when they entered the boat. And then at some point as the sun set, uh, you know, the guy actually pulls out the ring and proposes to his wow. girlfriend right next to us. Wow. And I was like, and you said, well, wow. No, I didn't say anything. <laughs> I was just stuck. And, you know, then I like. Pull out my my camera immediately. It took a oh, you you know, photo in a way so that he didn't he didn't see it. You Basically, didn't have a ring. With I didn't you? have my ring. Oh that my followed God, uh, two years later, also on a Get Your Guide tour, <laughs> but um, in the uh, in Bali, by the way. And uh, but you know that that to me was just this very remarkable moment that I would actually say meant to me a lot more than uh, you know the SoftBank round because this is like one of the moments where we've really changed um, you know, the experience for one of our customers in a meaningful way and you will always remember that moment uh, throughout his life and that really makes me incredibly proud and that, that, that's the reason why we founded the company, right? Not to raise money or so, but we founded the company to create these moments. What are the most valuable characteristics in people you work with? Uh, I think very related to our, uh, to our core values. So passion uh, is something that I really look forward to. I I can tolerate a lot of things, right? So like making gigantic mistakes, uh, you know, wasting money, you know, all of these things are tolerable if two things are in place. A, you know, incredible passion for getting things right for our customers and B, 
uh, a learning and growth mindset. So understanding how to learn from a mistake and learning how to improve uh, so that you don't make the same mistake again. So I think the... Um, you know what I'm looking for is like people who really thrive in an environment of a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom, and who are intrinsically motivated by serving our customers and who are intrinsically motivated by learning, uh, you know, how to improve the customer experience and how to grow themselves along with it. What's your favorite karaoke song? <laughs> I haven't been to many karaoke bars. So no, I, I thought tell. probably with SoftBank, your investors in No, in I've never been to Japan. I've only been oh, to California. Okay. So unfortunately, I still need to tell you once I've uh, I've been with Masa. To his friend. I'm, I would be surprised if Masa knows how to sing karaoke. He doesn't <laughs> strike me to be the guy to, to do it. <laughs> Coming to our third part, the special place for an entrepreneur. And I think in your case, it's probably Zurich. When you started your company, you started it in Zurich at the uh, University of Zurich, the Technical University of Zurich. And you could probably see the mountains and the Zurich Sea, uh, sea from uh, Zurich Lake from up there. Did this inspire you in any, in any way? Um, so I have to admit that uh, at ETH, I was mostly uh, in libraries or in the labs. So I didn't see much of the mountains there. In fact, I only went skiing, I think, in my last year when I was there because it was so rigorous as a school. Uh, yet you're right. I did, you know, whenever I, I had time, my apartment was relatively close to the lake. So I would actually run down to the lake and I would go swimming. That was like my way of like relaxing, you know, probably once or twice a week in the summer. And, you know, from the lake on a beautiful day, you can see the mountains. And that to me is definitely relaxation. Um, and that's something that I was always very much looking forward to. You graduated in biochemistry. Uh, do you still use that for something? Uh, I'm still very interested in the topic for sure. Um, I, I do think that a lot of the concepts uh, of science still very much apply to how we work at Get Your Guide. And it's, like how, for um, example? Well, like data-driven? Well, the scientific method and the way how you experiment, the, the way how you um, untangle a problem is, is you know, very much the same, whether you're in computer science or whether you're in biochemistry. Biochemistry, when I studied, was already very much leaning towards becoming much more of a computer science-driven uh, science. And um, hence, I think I had a lot of touch points with that. And lastly, I think from the people side, uh, I've been in touch with some of the brightest people that I've ever met and that definitely has shaped me to actually work with the right people here at Get Your Garden and you know, start to ask the right questions and really spark this debate around curiosity about figuring something out rather than you know, just having business talk. And I think that's something that uh, even at Get Your Garden today is very much in the DNA. We're not just you know, a you know, business company first because we, we love to generate a profit, but we're in the business of serving customers and we're endlessly curious on how we can do that. Your current management team is pretty international. You mentioned Tahu is from, from China, but also like you have a lot of American um, managers uh, on your team. Is this a coincidence or does, does it make sense for you um, moving more into the international waters with your company? No, I think the um, it's not a coincidence in the sense of uh, as we've grown, we've gotten to a place where Get Your Guide was so successful that we could recruit from anywhere in the world and the deepest pools of talent in technology are still in Silicon Valley, maybe New York, Israel, London, and, and then maybe some of the 
key centers in, uh, of Europe, but you know, certainly in that order. So it's not a big surprise that a lot of our top managers come from Silicon Valley, come from San Francisco, um, but there was not a deliberate decision. So it was rather something that happened because we were looking for the very best people. So I'm not looking necessarily to recruit the next American or so. I'm very much looking for on a specific job spec, who is the best person that I can recruit. And when we look at our C-level team, you know, someone like Udi, who was previously the CTO of Instacart, one of the leading marketplaces in Silicon Valley, you know, he was an obvious choice. If I look at the product experience, you know, someone like Amit, who was previously at Instagram, that's a premier destination for a PM to work at. Uh, so that he was a natural choice, right? But equally, we have other people, you know, our CMO who, you know, Emil, who's a genius, you know, worked for Expedia before, right? Completely different. So it's not really, you know, one cut, you know, where I'd say I just want to hire from, you know, blue chip American Silicon Valley based companies. Half of your management is pretty new uh, on the board. Is there like in a specific reason behind that? Or is it like, you know, part of the latest growth phase that your company has had? Yeah, so uh, we have some new people, um, you know, at the C level, but we also have some very accomplished people. So if I look at, for instance, Emil, he's been with the company, our CMO, he's been with the company for like five plus years at this point in time. Tao uh, is with me on, you know, on the C level since 10 years, right? So those people have a very long track record. Even some new joiners like Udi have been already with the company for close to two years. So I'm certainly looking for, I think, uh, you know, execs to stay, I would say, between five to seven years. I think that's a really good tenure for someone at, at the C level to really accomplish something. Um, but you're right, you know, every different stage of the company requires new skills. And it's certainly a very big difference if you work for a startup that has 50 people or a startup that has 500 people or a startup that has a couple of thousand people. Those are very different jobs, very different skill sets. And not everyone can do all of the stages. I would say probably very few people can do all of the stages. And even more importantly, not everyone wants to do all of the stages, right? People who are uh, you know, incredibly driven by, you know, getting their hands dirty and like, you know, grinding every day and like, you know, pushing things forward. Um, you know, those people are actually really, really good in the early stage. You know, people who are much more, you know, focused on structure and process, et cetera, you know, they are very, very good in the later stage, right? So I think it's a sliding scale and some people excel at all of the stages and naturally grow with the company, others don't. But I think at the end of the day, it's the most important thing for a leader and founder to select the right people for every stage that you're in. Coming to the very last part uh, of our podcast, it's our... Please don't, I'm not finished with my beer yet. You oh. have to come up with a few more questions. <laughs> so coming to our either or game right now, and this is how it works. I give you two words and you have to choose one and explain your preference, please. Bits or pretzels? Uh, pretzels. I love pretzels. Guide or tourist? Uh, tourist. Ultimately, the tourist is the customer and the tourist uh, helps the guide excel. Swimming or sunbathing? Swimming. I've always been a swimmer and I, I love triathlons, so I've, I've got to be swimming. Guide or follower? Um, I would say I'm definitely get your guide, right? So certainly in the camp of the guides, like we want to improve the guide experience. Nerd or extrovert? 
I'm an extroverted nerd, I think. That's probably the best description. <laughs> risk or safety? Uh, risk. Always risk. As an entrepreneur, you have to take risks. Come on. Phone call or text? I'm on WhatsApp all day long. I hate phone calls. Me too, take, actually. Take too much time. While walking, music or podcasts? Um, increasingly podcasts. This is actually something that's changed recently, I would say, over the last years. Uh, I was never really into spoken word on audio, but um, I would say podcasts recently have changed the game for me because I can consume a lot of information while I'm actually doing something else like running or so. Challenge or comfort? Challenge, always the challenge. I mean, as an entrepreneur, if you don't challenge yourself, I think you're in the wrong place. Right. Tradition or transition? Um, I have to say as a German, I'm probably always leaning towards tradition. But if I look at my behaviors, we're const constantly transitioning to something new. So I would say keeping the values, but yet always moving towards something new. Conquer or compromise? Um. I think my behavior is very much conquer. I think uh, very smart people also learn to compromise over time because you understand that Rome wasn't conquered in one day, but there were many steps to get there. So I would say current current learnings are rather towards compromise. Johannes, thanks for coming on the Bits and Spettles podcast. Thank you very much. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please subscribe. And of course, please tell your friends about us. And do give us a five-star rating. Write to us at podcast at bitsandpretzels.com to let us know how we're doing. Or if you want to suggest a guest to us. I'm Britta Wedling. See you next week.